Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today are pilgrims who have recently returned from the Journey to World Youth Day. And so with me are Cecilia Pham, who is the coordinator for young adult ministry here in the Diocese of Orange, and two young women, Alicia Rodriguez, and Mallory Bowen. Did I say your names right? <laughs> Welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. And like we do at all of our shows, I'd like to begin with a word of prayer. I think we tossed a coin. And um, Mallory, I think you were going to begin us with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, the and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's a reason why you chose the Hail Mary when we were talking earlier. You said something, Mallory, about a theme. Before we get too far into introducing who everyone is, what's the theme for this World Youth Day that just happened? Uh, the theme was Mary's Fiat. And I had a bad joke about fiats and the Pope's fiat going on auction. So what was this about Mary's fiat? When Gabriel came to Mary during the Annunciation, uh, when she said yes, that was Mary's fiat, or is Mary's fiat. So the angel comes and says, Mary, can God save the world now? And Mary says, yes, God can save the world now. (laughs) All right. So with that in mind, um, you all just came back from a whole bunch of other people somewhere around your age. These people sitting in front of me, by the way, are like they could be my grandchildren. So (laughs) sorry, but they could. And they're all 20-something, I assume, for most of the people that were surrounding you out there. What was it like to go to Panama to celebrate Mary's Fiat with people from all around the world? Let's start with you, Ms. Rodriguez. (laughs) It was a completely different experience than going to a young adult event here. You're surrounded by a a bunch of different cultures and a lot of people from places you probably never even seen the flag. One of our biggest pastime was probably guess the flag where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> but just surrounded by different languages and different culture and ultimately knowing that we're, we all believe in the same belief system, it's an incredible feeling of just being immersed in a community. And even though you don't really speak the language, you all know what you're saying. Do you speak Spanish? I do, but it is different than what they spoke down there. Okay, so Panama has a different dialect. It's more in the sense that they don't break up their words. Oh, wow. So it was one huge run-on sentence as a huge word, like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Okay. (laughs) And my Spanish is bad as it is, so I wouldn't even try to parse that one. Uh, Mallory, do you speak Spanish as well? I can be polite. I can order food. Um, I can communicate the food I want to order Okay. And say thank you when it arrives, but I I made a lot of friends who spoke Spanish, and they spoke mostly on your behalf. To yes, some of the natives around. So, what was it like to be 
there for you as someone who had even more barriers in trying to get into the culture that was there? I took great comfort that the group from Pakistan probably also couldn't speak Spanish. (laughs) And um, that at least I had people in my group who were willing to help me out. I'm glad to hear that there were people from Pakistan that were there trying to exercise their Catholic heritage, seeing as how Pakistan is such a Muslim country. Wow. So you had people from all over down there. What were some of the things that you noticed about the crowds of people and their faith? Did you see anything or, or, or notice anything about them as they were there for the week? Notice that people were more friendly, more open to just not holding back as to who they were. Because we, again, we were all believing in the same, we were all there for the same reason. And it just felt like everyone was comforted by the fact that we could all just put our walls down and be who we are. I, I think it's a marvelous observation because so much of what we do day to day out on the streets, even here in Orange County, we run into people who we don't know, and our immediate assumption is they don't know us, they don't want to know us, all they want to do is go about their day. And here you were in a setting where everyone is here for the same reason. It's The reason is because of God and Mary and Jesus coming into our world, and this is about the love of God, and we're all here to share that love of God. Wow, I'm glad you're here too. That's a whole different mindset when you run into somebody, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there was a definite joy, like a joyful spirit that you could feel. There was an energy that kind of just permeated through the streets when you were with, I mean, you can't help it when you're with like hundreds of thousands <laughs> of people from all over the world. But just it's contagious and everyone's just saying hello and waving their flag. And there all of a sudden is like no distinction between Kind of like, oh, you know, why are you why are you here? We all know why we're there. Well, tell us for a moment, Cecilia, because you're the expert here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what can you tell us about World Youth Day? We were talking before the show a little bit, and you were saying some things that I thought were very interesting. What's the sto- the backstory here? So it was initiated by Pope John Paul II back in 1985, and I think he was just so moved by seeing the energy and the spirit of young people that he decided, like, why aren't we celebrating this as a wider church and as a world more consistently? And so World Youth Day was basically initiated, and the first one, I believe, was in Rome. And now every two to three years, there's a World Youth Day gathering somewhere in the world. The largest, I think, was in the Philippines in 2005, maybe, um, and it was like 5 million people. Wow. And we, Panama was actually the smallest, but at 600,000. Okay, that's and a so- lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And you're at the equator roughly in Panama, a little bit off, but not by a lot. So it's always warm. Oh. And we're not just talking about the personalities <laughs> that are there. So it's it was definitely a, a place to have everyone come and know the weather is going to be the same. What was it like to have all that many people in one small location? Or was it not a small location? How did they lay this whole thing out? So for the activities and the festivities throughout the week, there are different areas designated throughout the city. And so that's what's really cool about having been to a couple of different World Youth Days. You can see how much the planning of a city and the layout really affects how the festivities are are run. And so this one they had to, because Panama City is much more urban, 
a lot of things were, had to be really spread out. And so... And divide and conquer. Exactly. You're having so, 600,000 people for dinner. <laughs> you better have them at different spots so they're not going to all eat. I know. For dinner, for example, you get this little um, ticket book with, with your registration, and there are a number of restaurants, fast food and or family run, that have this sort of sign in the wall that says um, ticket, like pilgrim food tickets taken here. Okay. And then you go in and you trade the tickets for food. Okay. And so that's anything from like what your fast food, which was like Domino's was really popular in Panama, but also just like this small little like taco stop, like on a corner somewhere. Okay. I was going to say, you know, you go all the way a couple of thousand miles to go get Domino's pizza. <laughs> Although Moynihan would have been happy, but <laughs> so you were able to, to have everything go smoothly because they laid it out so well. I know, Mallory, when we were talking beforehand, I think you used the word chaos in in describing this. What did you mean by that? Well, Panama City itself is just a big, sprawling, urban city. And it's got all different parts to it, all kind of like patched work together. Um, so you're starting with a sort of disorganized board. And then you throw in what you said, 600,000 humans from all over the world who have different concepts of time and lines. Americans do lines really well. The rest of the world, not quite as effectively. We've been training you since kindergarten. (laughs) The rest of the world did not get that for Uh, better or worse. So when you're in Panama City, you've got not only a foreign city, but you've now overlaid 600,000 people, not from the same culture, but from... 170 different cultures, and they're all doing things differently. And then everybody has to get where they're going. So you have to find the restaurants that take the tickets. Um, Because if you're out in the suburbs, that might be challenging. And Food is great, but you're paying out of your pocket. Yes. (laughs) And then, or you're eating McDonald's. Okay. Which, if you're traveling to Panama, that's not... That's not your ideal. Right. Okay. Um, every morning we did, or we went to a place to go to catechesis okay. where for us at least we had a bishop from somewhere in the world come and talk and share some stories or suggestions or some anecdotes about how not to be an idiot and how to be a good Catholic. And oh, I like that. I either be an idiot or be a good Catholic. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. How not to be an idiot. <laughs> and the way they set that up is they had all of us go to parishes throughout the whole diocese. And our parish, at least, was incredibly welcoming. This tiny little church in San Miguelito, I think. Mm -hmm. And they gave us water, and they made sure the fans were on ahead of time. There was no air conditioning. And so getting there was a challenge. And then... Then you're there in this little church building. Out in the suburbs. And it's warm. You're wearing lots of cotton. Yes. It's very humid. Yes. And it's, yeah, wow. I mean, I've been in Texas in the summer, and that was very pleasant compared to how hot Panama was. Wow. We were in the dead, like in the middle of their summer in Panama. So it was like 92 degrees with like 90% humidity at all times. And the sun. The sun was a transcendent (laughs) encounter. So it warms all the water around you before the rays ever hit you. So you get a double whammy. So, wow. Yeah, we were stuck in one line the for the first evening that 
um, the Pope was going to be there. And that line was five blocks long. At shortest, at shortest was five blocks long, and, and this took is us for what? So there, in order just to go see the Pope. <laughs> yeah. okay. So there is like this almost strip, almost like what you would consider like hunting, sort of like the boardwalk of Huntington Beach, okay. where they were able to do all the large events throughout the week. Okay, and so they stretched it all along the coast of Panama City, okay. but in order to get through security, right, yeah. <laughs> um, and to get into your designated area, so like everyone when you registered was assigned a specific area, and so depending on what area you had to walk down a particular road in order to get through your checkpoint, right? Because just getting people, they they have to tell you how to get there, or mm-hmm. there's going to be chaos just getting there. And so everyone had been sent toward, it felt as if everyone had been sent towards <laughs> one entrance, even though there were many that we had passed. Yeah. But they were like, nope, this isn't your entrance. Keep walking. And then we got there. It was like five blocks long. And it took us three hours wow. just to get through this line. And you're just like in the heat. So everyone, man, a lot of, there were people just like selling stuff along the side of the street, ice cream, mm. cold water, umbrellas. So That's why they had you there. Because <laughs> exactly. You the, you're the Americans. You had the money. <laughs> You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today are three very enthusiastic pilgrims who just came back from Panama and World Youth Day, Alicia, Mallory, and Cecilia. And when we come back, I want to go a little more personal. I want to find out a little bit about how this affected you. And we will be right back. Join us for Catholic Night at Honda Center on Friday evening, March 22nd, as we watch the Ducks take on the San Jose Sharks at 7 p.m. Your game ticket will include access to the Catholic Trinity Hockey League skills competition following the Ducks game. The first 1,000 tickets purchased through our special offer will include a limited edition Anaheim Ducks Catholic Night hat. To purchase tickets starting at only $29, visit AnaheimDucks.com slash Catholic Night. That's AnaheimDucks.com forward slash Catholic Night. This is Lee Sweeney, Executive Director of the Shroud Center of Southern California, and I'd like to invite you to an exciting event coming up Saturday, April 13th at 7 p.m. at Christ Cathedral. We'll be hosting an amazing talk by two of the top world's experts on the Shroud, Father Robert Spitzer and Barry Schwartz. This is going to be an exciting event, talking about the Shroud of Turin. For more information about how to attend this event, go to ShroudCenter.com. That's ShroudCenter.com. We hope to see you there. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear here in beautiful Garden Grove at the Diocese of Orange. And we are talking today to Alicia Rodriguez and Mallory Bowen, who are both pilgrims who have come back from Panama City at World Youth Day, and Cecilia Pham, who is the coordinator for young adult ministry here at the Diocese of Orange, who also went along as a pilgrim and has gone to some of these in the past, before I start talking to our pilgrims about their individual experiences, Cecilia, you've been to past World Youth Day days. How many have you gone to? So two others. So in 2008 to, to Sydney, Australia was my first one. Hmm. And then the next one in 2011 in Madrid, Spain. Wow. Okay. So you said this was smaller than those. Could you tell it was smaller than those while you were there? Yes. So compared so? to the one in Madrid, 
where the numbers were about three million, yeah. you, you can just feel That's five times as many people. Exactly, and they prepare for it very differently. Okay. I mean, they're able. So instead of kind of moving people in, in for example, in Panama because it was about six hundred thousand, that they could move people all sort of into like this area along the coast. That never would have fit three million people. And so in Madrid, you were then kind of like corralled and like finding a spot on the street somewhere in the middle of the city. Right. Um, and every corner you turned, you were just constantly, there was a group somewhere singing something, playing instruments, praying, and you couldn't go anywhere without it. And because Madrid as a city is just much smaller and a lot more sort of dense, Again, there's just like sort of no escaping it in a particular way. And so it's really incredible just to be consistently surrounded by it. But then there are ups and downs when you're taking the walk from wherever you were staying to the vigil site on Saturday evening. You feel three million people moving to one area. <laughs> um, I remember we got stuck on like a, a on a subway at one point, and we're like, we just got to get off. And you just you're just walking the rest of the way. But it is so overwhelming to hear the prayer and even just the excitement of what it means to be with three million other people yeah. in celebration of the same kind of a thing and like excitement for our faith. Um, to be able to see the Pope and to celebrate Mass with three million people. When was the last time you did that? So, <laughs> if you were to compare it to Panama, was there was the difference substantive enough to to have a, a spiritual impact or an emotional impact on you? Was there a difference that you really detected, especially when you're at something as profound as Mass? I think it can depend. I think it's it kind of is dependent a lot upon personality. I think the particular group that went with us to Panama, I think, really appreciated sort of the scale at which Panama was. Mm-hmm. And actually, the group that I went to Madrid with, with, I think, you know, God has God's way of working, which was that group just thrived in three million people. The energy was just okay. kind of crazy. Whereas this group this time, I think for you them, had some introverts with you. Uh, yes, a <laughs> lot of introverts. Even I think I was a bit of an introvert on this one as well and just took on the spirit of that and allowing them to be like, okay, we're not going to go all the way to the front where everyone is going to be up until four o'clock in the morning singing and dancing. I think we're going to sit kind of back here and in front of this screen and have some space and just be just close enough to everybody. That speck and white up there, that's yeah. the We see him pretty good right here. The, <laughs> dub, oh, the Jumbotron, it's good. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll just set up here, and if you, anyone wants to walk up there, they can walk up there. And that was what was kind of cool, was that you could create a little bit of space for yourself because okay. it could easily feel very claustrophobic. I mean, I remember in Madrid feeling like, oh, there's just a lot of people around here. And I think culturally that's not anything that we're really used to. And so something like World Youth Day really challenges some of, you know, what we consider as even Americans like boundaries and like, this is my personal space. Why are you in it? Um, (laughs) But what it kind of we keep three feet here, not not, not six inches. Exactly. (laughs) And and like sharing a lot of space, um, sharing sharing a city together and like what that means for young people to do something like that, but then also to share it with its citizens is a really unique experience. So you've gone now to three. Alicia, this is your first one. Yes. What was this like for you? Forget what Cecilia said <laughs> for a little bit. Because your experience, this is a first snapshot. What, what was your first impression of what World Youth Day was all about for you? My first impression was kind of that aha moment where 
I've found where I belong. I feel like, like I feel accepted here and I feel free to be who I am. And at the same time, I was completely terrified. It's the first time I actually traveled somewhere aside from like by myself that wasn't with my friends or my family. Oh, wow. And I didn't really know anyone in the group at the time. <laughs> We're going to get into your personal yeah. world a little bit more in a few minutes. How old are you and what are you doing in life right now? I'm 25. Okay. And I'm currently going to school and working. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So you're still quite a young person and you've not gone long distances without family or friends around. Yeah. Wow. So this was quite an experience for you. It was. Faith Builder. What happened? What was good? What things took place that impacted you? Things that impacted me was just being surrounded by all the culture and the people from Panama, especially when we were walking on our way to the vigil to where we were going to be spending the night on that open field. They would come out of their houses and they would give us water bottles or they'd give us the hose to refill our water bottles. One of the main things I learned was how to pack accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because uh, we were walking a lot and we didn't know when we'd stop for water. So I ended up collecting a bunch of water bottles and filling them with a sink faucet in our restroom before Mm -hmm. leaving. And it, it was just, it made me realize that at home, if I'm thirsty, I could just go buy one. And there's people that don't even have that chance. And it just made me reflect on what I take for granted and how I should be thankful and count my blessings. So you actually experienced a little bit of Panama, I don't want to say as a tourist, but with 600,000 people, you got to still see some authentic Panamanian life, both the good and the not as good, that it kind of made you think a little bit about what you have here. Yeah. Wow. Mallory, what about you? What was what impacted you in the uh, in the trip? Just getting to hear so many excellent speakers, which is not as common as it, it probably should be, um, but getting to hear uh, some of the bishops that we got to hear from not just the U.S., but from around the world, actually. They're good speakers often, aren't they? They're Well, it's one thing to have a good speaker. It's significantly more challenging to have a Catholic who's also a good speaker. <laughs> um, you don't get that combination as frequently. No, every time we get one, we make them a bishop and take them out of the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the good news is they then end up at World Youth Day on That's YouTube. Good. Thank so, you, Father Robert Barrett. <laughs> and I, I got to hear him and him speak in person. Yeah. And that was that was incredible, and not just in person, but actually during adoration, which was next level incredible. And one of the things that that stood out to me, especially during the the Catholic bishops put together in the U.S., the U.S. bishops put together uh, an event they called the the Fiat Festival. And I think every speaker I heard there, I think at some point, what really stood out to me was they said, "Don't let Judas keep you away from Jesus." And just reminding people that the Eucharist is the center and that as Catholics, we get that and that you shouldn't let anything stand between you and the Eucharist itself and that encounter. Yeah, people forget that Judas was the one who left Mass early. So you might remember that, those of you who leave Mass early to go (laughs) off to soccer games. The only one who left early was the one with the 30 pieces of silver. So they they had a festival, a fiat festival, 
and the focus was on the Eucharist. What did that mean for you? You've got Eucharist that is, you know, you're taught from catechetics class early on in your life as a Catholic. The Eucharist is the source and sum of, of our faith. But what did it mean to experience it with 600,000 people there? Or in this case, at a, at a moment of adoration, which you were describing when you were there. How did it impact you? It was, it was a, a really good reminder that I think it, just to touch on what Alicia was saying earlier, that it's, it's a really good reminder that you're not alone as a Catholic. And sometimes it feels that way living in the world. And I don't work within the church. Um, I just get sucked into volunteering. Um, and so sometimes it, it feels Spoken like a true Catholic. <laughs> I mean, most of the Catholics I come in contact with are yeah. ones that are fallen away. They don't go to the church. They like remembered to get their kid baptized, yeah. but eh. And so it was, it was a really good reminder that the faith is alive and that I'm not crazy and that other people believe this too and don't just believe it, but actively choose to engage in it. I was a principal for, um, uh, elementary school, but before that had been a campus minister at high school. And I remember one event that took place. This is in a neighboring diocese. They brought together all of the junior high school and high school students for this, this one get together for an anniversary for the diocese. And it was kind of like a, a mini youth day type of experience, but just for the kids across the diocese. But it's still thousands of kids were brought together. And for the first time, you had this massive sea of people who were all Catholics. And I had a number of students talk to me afterwards about the impact of that, that it's not just the, the three, five, seven, nine real Catholics at my parish who always get together, do everything, who are the, the, the leaders of the youth group, because all the other youth that comes, they come, they go, they're there to get their confirmation and, and then get out. But this is more than just those seven, nine kids. This is 900 kids, and in your case, 700,000 kids and the impact on you, on both of you, that had to be tremendous to see that connection. Did it have that same kind of an impact on you, Alicia? It did, primarily because in my home parish, there isn't many young adults. It's mostly people about my parents' age or the little ones. So being surrounded by people my own age that believe what I believe, that that's the main impact it made on me because I didn't feel alone because I saw other people my age who are probably going through school or work as well, but still made time to be there. And I think that was one of the speakers did say that that was our fiat was saying yes to going to World Youth Day. Oh, I like that. So in order to get yourself into this situation, you had to say yes when you were confronted with it. So at some point you had to get on the phone with Cecilia and Cecilia had to say, hey, well, we want you to come because we've got a space available for you. <laughs> right, Cecilia, something like that? Yeah. We're I mean, for us, it's just we put out sort of a call and maybe just promo that says, hey, we're going, who's interested, and kind of hope for the best. I think from a diocesan office, it's kind of difficult because we don't have, like, the direct connection, but we, it, they all responded. It sounds like it was because it looks like we had a real encounter with a massive number of people that are all Catholic, all your age, and it's a reminder that around the world, Jesus Christ is very busy with a lot of people your age. It's, it may not look like it sometimes when you're one of the few in your parish of your own age that are doing things, but there's a lot of people your age around the world doing things. 
You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today are Alicia Rodriguez, Mallory Bowen, and Cecilia Fan, and they were all pilgrims to go to World Youth Day in Panama uh, not that long ago. And we've been talking about some of the experiences that they had and some of the impact that this pilgrimage had on their lives. When we come back, I want to find out a little bit more about each of you and what your callings have been and where you may be going. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. I'm here with co-owner of Wahoo's Fish Taco, Wing Lamb, and Father Scott Boardman, judicial vicar of the Diocese of Orange. Father Scott, you have a few thoughts about Wahoo's. Well, I think Wahoo's Fish Tacos has effectively ruined Lent for everyone because it's so great. I think Mark Twain said it well when he said, Do not tell fish stories where the people know you, but particularly don't tell them where they know the fish. (laughs) Go to wahoos.com for the location nearest you. Thank you, Father. Friends, this is Deacon Steve Greco on Empowered by the Spirit, and we have a very special message and a very exciting event coming up. A Divine Mercy Conference, Saturday, April 13th from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Santiago de Capistela Parish Hall, located at 21682 Lake Forest Drive in Lake Forest, California. This event is going to be transformative. I will be speaking along with Father Ed Broom, Father Jacob, Kathleen Beckman, Donna Lee, Annette Hills. It'll be an absolutely amazing event to teach us more about how much God loves us through his mercy. For more information, contact Katie at spiritfulhearts.org. That's K-A-T-I-E at spiritfulhearts.org or call at 949-514-5028. God bless you all. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you from Christ Cathedral, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today are three pilgrims from the recent World Youth Day in Panama, Alicia Rodriguez, Mallory Bowen, and Cecilia Fan, who is the coordinator for Young Adult Ministry. And I want to go into a little bit more about the, the personal side of how this affected people. And Cecilia, I want to start with you, not just because you're the leader and the coordinator, therefore you go first, but <laughs> ASPs, very dangerous, you go first. But I want to know a little bit about your background. You said you've been to World Youth Day before. How long have you been a coordinator for young adults in our diocese? So in our diocese for about three and a half years. And your first World Youth Day was how many years ago? Oh, well over 10. Actually, now 11. So when you went to World Youth Day, you were not a coordinator. What were you doing? I was a part of a youth ministry at St. Callistus. A part of the ministry, meaning you were part of the leadership? Uh, a volunteer, a volunteer at that time. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of in roughly the same kind of a position that our other two people are, roughly similar age, roughly similar engagement with other people. So first of all, how did you get involved with that? How did you decide that Jesus is calling you to do something with other people? (laughs) I went to parochial school from first grade to eighth grade, but it was really in my confirmation program where I just had this transformation, being surrounded by a community that really shared 
Christ's love. And I was able to experience that. And in, at an age where I needed something a little bit more tangible. Was that here in the Diocese of Orange? That was. That was at St. Well, Calistus. then you can tell. It said St. Callistus. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Because if it wasn't the Diocese of Orange, we're not going to say. But <laughs> it was. We'll advertise that. So they had a, a real good confirmation program mm-hmm. all those years ago, 10 whole years ago. Something mm-hmm. like that. Because you're... Sorry, you're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so you went through confirmation. And confirmation for you... And I know it's not the same for everyone that goes through confirmation. We, we have an interesting confirmation set of programs mm-hmm. that work for most people, but mm-hmm. not, unfortunately, for everyone. Mm-hmm. For you, it did. Yes. It was just a point in my life that I can look back upon and say, God's love and how that is seen and felt through a community is very real. And because I was able to experience that, I was transformed in a way that said, I want others to be able to experience that same kind of support from their community, to be transformed by a God who sent his only son and what that meant for my own life and then how I was like sent forth. And so from that moment on, I just knew that there was something very different about my life so God touched you <laughs> yes. in order to go out and touch other people. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. How many people were in leadership amongst youth at St. Callistus at the time? Oh, roughly? gosh. I would easily say anywhere from 50 to 75. In the leadership? Yes. That's so you're a looking, very intense program. And I'm wow. looking at like volunteer leadership. So yeah. not, you know, any yeah. paid ministers, but really wow. just young people from right out of sort of right after confirmation, so juniors and seniors in high school, all the way to older adults, grandparents who were involved, moms and dads who were involved. Wow, that's a great-sounding program. We're going to have to do a show just on that itself. (laughs) So when it was thrown out there that World Youth Day was available, uh, you jumped at it? You helped other people jump at it? You were drag-kicking and screaming? How did this work for you? I think... I jumped at it personally, and I we went with a group of 16, and they were probably, actually now, out of the 15 other people that went, about 12 of them are my closest and dearest friends. Um, still to this day, to many, this many day, years later. Yeah, yeah. We, we celebrate baptisms, birthdays, holidays together still, and it was really sort of like this pivoting sort of point in our lives as young people to be able to travel together. And actually, I want to say that Father Ben Tran, who's now at St. Anne's, was the priest who went with us, who prayed with us and guided us through that. But, I mean, it was really led by us as peers to plan the whole thing. And we actually did Days in the Diocese where you actually arrive a week earlier to World Youth Day in Sydney and you live with somebody in the community and you kind of go through this volunteer process and are out and about in one of their communities and parishes somewhere. And so we spent an extended amount of time in Sydney. Mm. And again, it was... I think when you're younger, there's just this appeal like, oh, I want to travel somewhere like and this gives me a great reason to like go to another part of the world. And that's so that's like sort of the first buy in. But then when you go, you just you there's no way. Right. Like just like Mallory was saying earlier, there's no actual way to explain World Youth Day. And some people think like, oh, you're just going vacation. It's just like a lot of fun. But it's just it's different. Like when you're there to to be surrounded by the universal church. It stays with you. And I, to to this day, we still have jokes and stories and how World Youth Day impacted us. This reminds me of Matthew when he's talking about 
uh, the feeding of the 5,000. That takes place after three days of the people that are there with Jesus. And he's now developed this, this love for them because you come together and build that love with each other and with Jesus. In that case, it was with him actually physically being there, being the guest speaker, <laughs> or I guess the speaker, because he's not his own guest. In this case, you have a very similar thing taking place where you've got everyone together and you're building relationship mm-hmm. and it impacted your life in ways that I'm sure help put girders underneath the superstructure of your own desire to do ministry, That's of which you're now a very successful minister in the Diocese of Orange. Wow. So if we turn to you two, you may not end up becoming a, a director for ministry here at the Diocese of Orange, but you have your own stories. What kind of impact do you think this might have? And I guess I want to go backward a little bit. What got you here in the first place? What's your story? Were you always a devout Catholic from the very beginning? Some are, some aren't. Um, so I'm a cradle-born Catholic, but then I did four years of just being in the motions and about two years ago, I decided to come back and be involved. So going to World Youth Day, one of the things that really stood out to me was they talked about servitude, working, and love. They said serving without love is just work. And serving with love, that's servitude. And I had found myself in a place a couple weeks prior to Panama where I was feeling burnt out. I mean, I overdid it. And you were just working at that point. I was just working. And I involved myself in a lot of different ministries to the point where I was overwhelmed and just was working. And coming back from Panama, I, I realized the connection be- and the difference between working and serving. And it's helped me greatly. Just um, I'm a catechist. Mm-hmm. Just reaching out to my youth. I teach two classes. So I have a group from third to sixth grade, and then I also teach confirmation, so I have my high schoolers. You have range. (laughs) Yeah, so I have a lot of range. I teach post-communion and confirmation. Let me go back for just a moment. You said you'd been out kind of just going through the motions as a Catholic for quite some time and then, quote, came back. What did that involve? Was it as simple as just going to confession and saying, Father, I want to get serious again, or, or what happened? Um, I went to adoration after. That'll do it. Yeah. You <laughs> went to adoration. <laughs> I went to adoration, and I realized I was feeling an emptiness in my heart. And when I went to adoration, I just felt filled. And now I do tr- try to make it to adoration once a week at least. Did you make it to adoration? I, I know that Mallory did. <laughs> you make it to adoration over at World Youth Day? Yes, I did. And then we also had adoration with Holy Father at the vigil. Oh, wow. So that that was impacting for me. That was when I was in the middle of a field realizing I'm here. I'm actually here, and he's there, and he's still here. I'm, I'm not at St. Michael's Abbey anymore, but he's still here with me. Wow. So, Mallory, what about you? What got you to go to World Youth Day, and what's your background? So also a cradle-born Catholic, always part of the faith. Um, but I distinctly remember absolutely hating confirmation completely and utterly. Okay. I don't remember my teachers. It's I didn't amazing meet how, any person. But no, it's amazing. I, I hear this all the time <laughs> where you have people on one end of the spectrum or the end of the spectrum, and like the, the middle spectrum doesn't exist. Or, you know, so, they love it or hate it, but go ahead. Well, I hated it so much that I wanted to make sure that no one else hated it as much as I did. Um, oh, wow. So, From a positive perspective. <laughs> 
So you were going to try to blow it up. You were going to try to redo it. Make sure that, yeah, just, it was, it was awful. No one's still there anymore, so it's okay. And uh, <laughs> we're um, still praying for them, though, right? <laughs> anyway, always, go ahead. <laughs> they need it. So I came back and started volunteering at my parish after college. And I guess they figured they could at least get rid of me for a week by suggesting I go to World <laughs> Youth Day. Um, and out of a desire to go to Panama and knowing that there's no reasonable way I'm going to make it to Panama any time in my life. But I love history, so I wanted to see the canal. I, I said yes, accidentally. <laughs> general consensus in the group where we're like we all accidentally said yes we're here by accident <laughs> yeah but she said we heard you we've got it on tape therefore yeah. you're going well, <laughs> they had my money oh okay <laughs> yeah. That That's really the best way yeah <laughs> and it was so i mean it was it was definitely the right call it was definitely where i was supposed to be and where i was supposed to go but it was an accident on my end so you mentioned before Alicia did, even though Alicia said that it was very, it had a huge impact on her to go to adoration. You mentioned it first, though. Was that an important part of this as well, to be in the presence of the Holy Sacrament? She mentioned as well to be able to see not just all the people around of your age, but the Holy Father there with you had impact as well. What impacted you, Mallory? I tend to approach my faith more intellectually than most <laughs> Modern Catholics tend to. You're an analytic. Yes. Okay. And part of why I had trouble with confirmation class. I got it. Oh, just go with the tradition. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so to. Why do you believe that way? I got you down, Mallory. <laughs> and so it was It was the first time in a long time that I felt like um, that part of me was intentionally engaged. The intellectual, the reason that I was spoken to as an adult who had insight, but I was being offered insight by people who had more than I did and had different perspectives. And um, to have that element treated as an intentional and an important part of the individual and not just fall back on the feeling side or the feeling side was really refreshing. One of the problems I noticed with how some young adults are treated in our parishes can be they're either too young and they're treated as if they're children or they haven't been indoctrinated yet, so they're not, quote, adults in that they haven't been bought into the faith the way that everyone wants you to be bought into the faith. It sounds like you encountered people who are thinking for themselves faithfully, and you were asked to think for yourself faithfully, and you strike me as someone who likes to think. And to be taken seriously, oddly enough. <laughs> and that's, no, but that's an important thing to say, that young people aren't always taken seriously because of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things that's impacted you was a reminder that there is room in the church for people to take young people seriously in their faith. Yes. Wow. You are listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today are Mallory Bowen, Alicia Rodriguez, and Cecilia Fan, And they just came back not long ago from Panama City for World Youth Day. And when we come back, we've got one more section. I want to talk a little bit about what the plans are for the future with you, Cecilia. And then I want to talk a little bit more about where you two plan to go with your life and your world. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back.
The passing of a loved one is a difficult and often sorrowful step in life's journey. The helpful and supportive staff at the Cathedral Memorial Garden Cemetery, located on the 34-acre iconic Christ Cathedral campus, are here to assist you and your family through this transition, offering a central location, serene garden-like grounds, majestic fountains, and a dramatic statuary, all set within the beautiful Christ Cathedral campus. For more information, please visit memorialgardens.christcathedralcalifornia.org or contact 714-489-6102. I'm with Wing Lamb, co-owner of Wahoo's Fish Taco, and Father Scott Borgman, judicial vicar of the Diocese of Orange. And uh, Father, I understand you have some insight on Wahoo's. Well, thanks, Mike. I just thought about how much Jesus loved fish. We were always seeing him around the Sea of Galilee with his closest followers. So I think, you know, if it was Lent and it was today and Jesus were here, he'd be at Wahoo's Fish Tacos. (laughs) Locations all over the place. Go to wahoos.com for the location nearest you. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And before we go any further, I want to take a moment to make sure that I have thanked the three of you for coming in. Alicia Rodriguez, Mallory Bowen, and our coordinator for young adults in our diocese, Cecilia Fan. Thank you very much for not only coming in, but for sharing with us so deeply what it was to go to World Youth Day in Panama. We were talking just a moment ago before the break about some of the problems that people who are in the faith of an older age, <clears throat> my age, uh, and how there's a tendency sometimes to treat people younger as if they're just junior partners in almost a demeaning way, not really taking them seriously, I think is how we put it. And I know that you were mentioning uh, during the break that the Holy Father had some things to actually say about that to all of you. Anyone want to speak on what he had to say? Yeah, so... Alicia, go ahead. He basically wrote a letter to the older crowd, letting them know that... I didn't receive it in my mailbox. I need need to go look again. It was a universal spiritual letter. Oh, universal letter. Okay. Um, Basically, what he was saying was the youth are here, but they don't do anything because they're not allowed to do anything, or they're often put down, and... Another thing he said was a lot of times they're like, the youth is the future. And he said, no, the youth is the now, which is why we should, instead of stopping them from doing what we want them to do, help them do what we want them to do. So when people say the youth are the future, they're kind of in a way saying your time is not yet. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. Yeah. Yeah. When you're saying, or what the Pope was saying, is that, no, 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 they are here, they are right now, mm-hmm. and they are moving forward. Are you coming with us? Yeah. Wow. See, often in time when you're given that mentality that right now is not your now, you're kind of put on standby, and when you're put on standby, you kind of forget what your purpose was. And I feel that's when a lot of the youth go their separate ways is because they're put on standby and they just try to see where else they can make a difference, where else they'll be accepted to make a difference. Very, very insightful. Cecilia, um, this took some planning. I take it that your office was very involved in doing most of that planning. How long had you been working on organizing this trip? About a year and a half before we went. And so there's just sort of the prep process in terms of mapping out, well, where is it going to be? What is the infrastructure like? Um, so, for example, there was, initially we had wanted to go to Peru, 
but that wasn't going to work. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, maybe we'll go to Columbia as well and, and stay with the company of Mary and do some work there. And so that wasn't going to work. And so there's all of this sort of planning and then replanning, just, just sort of dependent upon um, the organization of a country, accessibility. Panama only had one international airport. No, wait, let me back up for a moment. So they they don't announce right away at the last World Youth Day where the next World Youth Day is going to be. They have it out there and you all help decide or how did that work? Oh, no. So it's decided on, on some sort of committee or council. So okay. we know now that it will be in Portugal in 2022. Okay, so 2022. That's a that's a ways away. That's three more years. Mm-hmm. So this is a three-year break this time. Yes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing from your perspective? It gives you more time to plan. It is. A, it's a good thing, especially okay. for, I think, when we've seen what happens when it's in Europe, it allows for there to be a lot more travel in the beginning. So people might want to be um, taking a pilgrimage on the Camino in okay. Spain. They might, I mean, our... Fatima is going to be a huge sort of destination, as well as going to Lourdes, maybe even going to Italy. Because that area of Europe is just so accessible to travel, there's going to be this huge breadth of opportunity to really kind of go to all these different um, landmarks and places, especially the holy sites. You've got also three years between now and then. Is that the only thing your office does? I don't want to get into too much detail, but (laughs) that was kind of a softball. I know you do more, so... What are you planning for things that aren't this, but kind of are, have this kind of an experience? This was so great. What other kinds of things are you planning in the future, say in the next year or two? So if you had a chance to take a look at the strategic plan that Bishop's office just released recently, there's this huge effort to prioritize youth and young adult ministry, sort of making a distinguished um, effort between youth ministry, but also building young adult ministry, which is ministry to men and women between the ages of 18 and 39. Mm-hmm. And so over the next few years, you're going to see our office move from sort of this staff at the diocese to building regional coordinators in parishes around the diocese and sort of this greater effort to engage young adults in this entire um, age range. That's wonderful. It's yeah. concept of Subsidiarity, a big long word for getting it to the lowest level possible, yes. getting it out to the parish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going to be engaging people so they're prepared for these types of events as well. Absolutely. Okay. And more. How can we, so there's always an opportunity to do like a stateside World Youth Day where you get people who maybe couldn't financially or due to time and other restraints go to another country. How could we celebrate that here? So you were talking earlier about a gathering that you had experienced of mm-hmm. of teens from all over an area. Could we do something like that here? And what would that look like? What would it, what would it look like to engage speakers from this area to come and share in the same experience so that even if you couldn't go, there was still an opportunity for you? Very, very good. Anything that really you're you're thinking about how this is going to impact you ladies into your future. Are you already aware of how this has changed you? Are you already aware of how this has impacted you? I have no clue. God's doing that thing where he's just waiting and then he's going to drop a bomb on me sometime in the next You're at least wise enough to know that most of the planning we do is God's within God's sense of humor. So, And he's got a good one. So He's got all the kinds of humor. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not as funny. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You were going to say something slightly different, I think, Alicia. Yeah. Going along with God's sense of humor, um, I never wanted to teach. Kids, ter- like, terrified me. 
And yet I got thrown to be a catechist. And now I feel like I'm really passionate about catechizing to more so high schoolers and even more so to young adults. I've come, since I came back, I found it pretty hard to adapt back into my weekly schedule and my routine coming back from Panama, primarily because I was surrounded by people that knew what I was talking about. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by young adult Catholics that don't really know what we're talking about. So I feel more of a passion to catechize to them in a way that they can understand it. One of the dangers is that you take them out and they get it exposed. They're going to come back and, and disrupt everything. All those people who thought they had it all hammered down are going to have their nails ripped up. That was the theme. I think every bishop who talked talked about getting up off the couch, going and casting your nets. You're today, not tomorrow. It was definitely, it was probably more of a, that was the theme. That was Mary's fiat. That was, don't be, don't be a couch potato is a direct quote from somebody. Go home, get up, get moving. What was it that was from the old movie now from uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, when he's confronted by little John and knocked on his bottom in the middle of the creek and he looks over at Azim and he says, what now? He says, get up, move faster. <laughs> kind of reminds me the Pope has told that to all of you. Yeah, yeah. Get up, move he, faster. He had said, like, God is a God of now. And I think that was kind of coming off of the tales of the Synod back in the fall of yeah. about young people and discernment and just hearing this echoing from young people saying, you know, we're scared and we have a lot of anxiety and we're filled with a lot of fear about the future and like sort of like the state of our world. And he was very firm and all the speakers of just like, God is a God of now. And like, that means that we are a people of now. So stop. I get it that you're scared and that you're sort of filled with this anxiety, but Mary is our model for who just took up all this fear and said, I'm going to offer this up to God and I'm going to say yes and we're going to go and we're going to see how we can continue to transform the world. As an old guy, I can tell you, it's a short trip. Don't waste the time you've got. God is a God of now. And if the Pope has smacked you upside the head and said, get up off your couch, then you probably should. And it sounds like you already have, Alicia, and it sounds like you are in the process, Mallory, of dealing with the bobs that God is going to throw at you. And I'm so glad that you were able to be here in order to do that. Uh, any last thoughts from you, Cecilia, on how you think this kind of a of an event impacts upon our youth in the entire diocese? This was how many people? How many people went on this? 20 in our group. So 20 people. And how do you expect 20 people coming back is going to impact our diocese? I think it's going to be through efforts like this. I think when you're listening to someone like Alicia say, I experienced this and I came back and I realized no one else did. And now I have this passion and this fire to share that with others. Each and every one of them is doing that in their own way. And that's where it starts. I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking, uh, how are we going to do this in like a big way? And radio is probably a really big way. But each and every one of us is doing that in our relationships, in the stories that we share, whether they're about like being woken up at an ungodly hour or or just what we experienced during adoration or the singing or, you know, when the Pope was, I mean, just so many experiences and people who are listening and who have their hearts open and who God has really kind of just put before us, they're going to hear what they need to hear. And as long as we keep sharing and we keep talking I think there's just this incredible opportunity to 
to continue to transform the local church. And that was what is so beautiful about an experience like this, that you take it from a very large, large scale and just bring it back down to the community and say, we are here and we are still fighting. We are still praying um, and we are still hopeful. We are still joyful. This is the, the great power of both solidarity, where you see everyone coming together, and as I said before, subsidiarity, taking it down to the individual, the, the, the smallest group possible. And I'm sure you're going to be able to do that in order to bring more solidarity out of it. Thank you all very much for coming in and for sharing with us such you know, moving uh, encounters with the people of the youth around the world. Uh, would you be so kind, Alicia, as to lead us in a brief word of prayer? Dear Father, thank you for allowing us to have experience what we have experienced and to share our experiences with others, hopefully, so that they will too want to experience a deeper relationship with you and to as well venture out and explore and see what else you have to offer in this world. Thank you for bringing us all together. And as Pope Francis says, we always keep him in our prayers. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And again, Alicia Rodriguez, Mallory Bowen, and Cecilia Fan. thank you so very much for coming in. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and with me today have been pilgrims who have been to World Youth Day. The next World Youth Day is coming up in three years. It's going to be in Portugal. And we will be sending groups from the Diocese of Orange. Sign up now with Cecilia Fan down to the diocese. And if you would like to listen to this again or share it with someone else, you can by going to our podcast. Not only is it broadcast to those of you who are listening to it live across the Southland, but you can also find it at occatholic.com. And there are a number of different uh, radio programs we put on. Our main line, which is our show, which is Orange County Catholic Radio, you can click on there and you can hear from Alicia, Mallory, and Cecilia again. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week. If you have never experienced the beauty of the Sistine Chapel, now is your opportunity. From April 13th through the end of the year, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel Masterpiece will be on exhibition in the Cultural Center on Christ Cathedral Campus, brought to life using a special photographic technique that reproduces the look and feel of the original paintings. You will be given a chance to engage with the artwork in ways that were never before possible. For the first time ever, you can explore the artwork at your own pace and admire the art from a distance that is physically impossible to achieve in the actual Sistine Chapel. This is an extraordinary opportunity to gain a new perspective on some of the most famous artwork in history. It also provides an incredible chance for inspiration as well as reflection on the purpose and meaning of the work. For more information about this unique exhibit and to purchase your tickets, visit SistineExhibit.com. 
student and group ticket pricing is available. Visit SisteneExhibit.com. That's SisteneExhibit.com. And awaken your curiosity to the innovative and unique interpretation of Michelangelo's timeless masterpiece. Friends, this is Deacon Steve Greco on Empowered by the Spirit, and we have a very special message and a very exciting event coming up. A Divine Mercy Conference, Saturday, April 13th from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Santiago de Capistela Parish Hall, located at 21682 Lake Forest Drive in Lake Forest, California. This event is going to be transformative. I will be speaking along with Father Ed Broom, Father Jacob, Kathleen Beckman, Donna Lee, Annette Hills. It'll be an absolutely amazing event to teach us more about how much God loves us through his mercy. For more information, contact Katie at spiritfulhearts.org. That's K-A-T-I-E at spiritfulhearts.org or call at 949-514-5028. God bless you all. 